Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the 68th Square Ball Podcast. My name's Dan, and with me in the studio is Michael. Welcome. Moscow White. Hello. And there's no Oddie this week. The nurse won't let him out, so he's been replaced. Substitute appearance from uh, the last podcast, Amatai Winehouse. Hello. We're, we're believing the youth like Kevin back on. I'm glad we skipped over the, the whole opportunity to do like a fake obituary. <laughs> <laughs> we should have done, shouldn't we? Yes. Yeah, so we didn't want to break it to you this way. But now, next time Oddie's not here, you won't know. It is worth saying that Amatai's presence has brought the average age down in the, in the pod now by about 20 years, so it, it, angling specifically at the youth, very much like Radio 1 going for the youth audience. Yeah, anyway, um, issue three of the Square Ball is the current one that's on sale. You can grab that from the squareball.net. When is issue four due to... Middlesbrough, which Middlesbrough. is 23rd of November. Yeah. So we'll, Ages. Uh, we, we'll keep you informed on that one. Um, don't forget, issue three's got the Bill Fotherby mammoth interview in there. Part of our big grasp at the youth audience <laughs> interview with an 80 year old man but on a more genuine youth note sam byram interview we couldn't mention it last time because we had to keep it a little bit of a secret but yes. we've got a very interesting and unique take on things with sam byram it's the questions everybody else was too frightened to ask and if you're dressed as a witch um he'll probably be too frightened to look at you that's one thing that we learned grab that at the squareball.net you can also get subscriptions there digital and paper for the remainder of the season White watching. Just the two games in this section then, gentlemen. Um, barnstorming 4-0 win against Birmingham when we were on the telly. This was lovely viewing, was this, wasn't it? We absolutely trounced them. It was four and it could have been more. Should have been more. Mathieu should have had a hat-trick. I wanted double figures. Well, at least Never. three chances, weren't there? Four? Mc- five, maybe? The McCormack had those uh, those ones at the start and you started thinking it was going to be another one of those McCormack days. But uh, it turned into a Smith day. And it was a good day. All right, Ice Cube. Ice tea? Ice Cube. It's Ice Cube. It's good job we've got the, the, <laughs> the ute here to put us straight on these things. It's worth putting it in context that they were absolutely abysmal in defence. They, they seemed set up very strangely for a, a bank of four very slow men. Don't talk about systems. <laughs> Don't talk about systems. Why do you want to talk about systems? Everyone wants to talk about systems. I still haven't seen that interview. I've had to yeah, make. I, said, I am skipping. Sorry, I'm skipping there to the after match interview. Lee Clark, bottom lip wobbling on telly, which was brilliant. I did entertain myself making gifts of his in-game face. There was a shot of when it was four 0 that was just like about twenty seconds of disappointed fury, gurning. His expression just didn't change. The only way you knew it wasn't a static picture was because people were moving in the background, very much like Birmingham's defence. Hey, Hmm. Except the goalkeeper moved around a lot. Well, we're talking about systems. Um, this was all down to the amazing and revolutionary three-five-two system. Are we, are we sure that it wasn't all? How, having seen the Huddersfield game, are we sure it wasn't all just down to the goalkeeper? It did help that Birmingham just played with eight men in midfield and no defence. 
was what the, the system seemed to have. They were playing that high up. And, a and rush even, goal, though, like... even though we don't have any pace, we just kept getting in behind them, which was strange. Seeing McCormack just completely burning people off, which is not what you... You're kind of used to. And we're talking about a youthful approach. This was the game that saw Murphy, Wooton, uh, Smith, and Byram all came back into the side, and we looked a lot more fluid. I mean, uh, some of the passing movements between the youth, like Moat, Byram, and Murphy, I thought looked a lot better in this game. They were passing it around beautifully. The boys' fluids were definitely a strong highlight of this match. I'm glad you pointed them out. Indeed. It made a change from the sort of difficult drip of piss that we used to get from Brown and, and his. Cohort, essentially prostate trouble. Do we want to go down this line? Probably not. Not, sure. not with Oddie not here, anyway. <laughs> um, I, I still think we would have beaten pretty much any team in the league on Sunday that day. We well, like Huddersfield, for example. Well, no, no. But Huddersfield was a, a unique game, isn't it? It's different. It's a derby. It, you know, they hadn't won for I don't know how many games it was, but they were up for it, as they always say. Going back to what Moscow said, then um, this was very much the the Matt Smith show, um, Michael. Mm. A couple of podcasts ago, you said on the evidence so far, Matt Smith was, and I quote, a bit shit. On the evidence so far. And to be fair... evidence has changed. To be fair to you, uh, you did give him plenty of room to come on and improve and, and, and whatnot. You didn't dismiss him out of hand, but still, you called it wrong. Well, yeah, <laughs> but as we've, as we've said, Birmingham were awful, and then he scored against Huddersfield, but, you know, big enough, he stands around, he out- stands around near the goal, he'll score some. We out Team Zigic, which is quite good. I like that angle. Beating teams at the wrong game. I wonder if we'll just like McDermott. I'm sure there's an edge of kind of bitterness to McDermott. Like he's got a lot of wrongs that he wants to right, and it could be they would just sign replicas of opposing players that have scored against him in the past or scored against the club in the past, and then make them play the same way. It's nice that we had a, a better Zigic who earns about a tenth of what he earns as well, which is quite pleasing. Is there any reason why Zigic doesn't play for them? But- Didn't Lee Clark? suspend him for putting in what he described as the worst training session he'd ever seen from a professional footballer. And that wasn't that long ago. So I'm I'm not sure that they have a very easy relationship. Plus, I mean, Lee Clark's not going to be... Who knows what goes on inside that tiny little head? (laughs) Certainly there's no systems. There's no systems involved. And if you haven't got a system, what have you got? You've got Lee Clark. Well, let's talk about the goals then. Uh, McCormack opened the scoring after that woeful... Fudge up between the keeper and the defender. What was this goalkeeper's name? Randolph. Um, didn't he play against us for Hereford? And was really good. Yeah. Mm. I remember the cops singing Sign Him Up. After it, I think we did win 1 0 again, but we'd had something like 19 shots on target and he'd somehow thwarted us. It's almost bizarre in in that case that he didn't have this terrible game for us, having signed for, for a large It's one of those of money. things that after that Hereford game, you kind of think, God, I. Why is he playing where he is? He's brilliant. And then, oh, he's very. This high, game was why. <laughs> he's very highly rated on Football Manager this year's anyway. Three and a half star rating. Well, clearly, yeah. it's not worth buying. Destined, destined for great things. Yeah. So that was McCormack passing into an empty net. I think while, he needed, the, while Randolph uh, jumped up and down on it. I was going to say I think <laughs> he needed that because he was kind of snatching his chances. An empty net. Yes, he did probably because he went through, didn't he, prior to that, and he really should have scored. And then there was the chance that he took on his left foot. Admittedly, his weaker side, but. Um, for it to then fall for him a little bit later on. I think he needed it as a confidence boost just to get us going, really. If it had been your son, would it have been a case of just like putting the ball on the goal line and telling people, just let him, let him score, just let him put it in, it'll feel better. I'll never get him to sleep tonight if he doesn't do this. I can't envisage a scenario where I'd be allowed on the Ellen Road pitch to set that up, but <laughs> yes. So I didn't mean in a, a game of professional football. <laughs> I, that's meant like in the back garden or something. Because I'm sure you're probably quite a competitive goal. Will you pull, do you stick one of the dogs in goal when you're playing with the kids? <laughs> yes. On to Austin's goal. Beautiful diving header. Beautiful oh, marking again. Absolutely. I think th- somewhere there will be a Birmingham podcast where they're just taking apart each goal saying, well, that, we can't count that one because a bit like we did last week with Derby when we were saying, look at this defending. Mm. How has this ever been allowed to happen? The way Austin, at one point he was marked and then the defender kind of, he looked to sort of run away from Austin at one point. What I liked most about this goal was the celebration when uh, Austin kicked the... Uh, did he kick or punch punched the hoarding? It, punched punched the hoarding. And then... Kets um, by... Uh, m- kept the, a little bit of Kets by, then Matt, Matt Smith, in the in the moment of when the anger was at its height, put his arms around him and patted him on the head in a way that... I've seen people pat cats on the head like that, and they always respond like with an attempt to scratch. And there was a moment, you could, if you can see Rudy Austin's face kind of change, and he's thinking... Why is he patting me on the head like a kitten? Um, but then, the, then it passes, and he decides to let him live. But it's dang- he's playing with fire. These two goals could never have happened 
if uh, if Austin had reacted. On to Smith then and his brace. It was all over by half-time really, wasn't it? 3-0 and then um, the second one after that, 74, which I think was probably my favourite of the game, the old uh, mower. And I think that's what um, the cliche would say, it was whipped in. He whipped mm. it in towards his head. The thing to watch on um, Mowat's cross is his standing foot because it kind of flicks backwards after he puts it in with his left and his right kind of flicks backward in an almost balletic motion. Would it have been anywhere near as good if it had been with his right foot, though? I mean, is that goal all about the fact that he's... It would have gone out for a throw-in. No, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, from the other side, obviously. It's all about the left foot there. There's something a bit magical about the fact that it, he, you know, a footballer who's left-footed. I know what you're getting at. Yeah, I agree with that. I haven't majestic. got a clue. There's something majestic. What you're saying is there's something majestic about a left-footed player yeah, who can do that. Yeah, if it was that. from the right fo- right side with his right foot, it just wouldn't have been anywhere near as good. It would have for him because he's strongly left-footed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. But yeah, ni- nice to see us absolutely take apart Birmingham. Uh, however, on to Huddersfield now. Um, no nice way to dress this up. We lost again to these lot. I know we beat them there last year, but there is becoming this growing Derby-esque trend of us not beating Huddersfield because they are really, really up for it and we haven't quite got to grips with this fixture, have we? I uh, I didn't realise when kickoff was, so uh, I must have missed Abide With Me and the National <laughs> Anthem and all that because I was on the toilet, so... <laughs> Too much information. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I didn't know where to end that story. Really. I was also on the toilet, otherwise known as a seat in Huddersfield's ground. Hey! See? God, yeah, and the the cup final atmosphere did become apparent when um, we had a free kick with about two minutes to go, and I suddenly noticed that there was this woman a few rows in front, and she was on the end of her end of her row. She couldn't look; she was looking like at the other end, and even like with her hand over her eyes, as if even a glimpse of what was going on um, would destroy. And then when Warnock crossed it in, nothing happened, as I thought would not. Um, and she she turned around and suddenly she was amazed and happy again, but then it went into a dangerous position. And she just again turned away and just looked at the other end of the ground. I was like, I mean, I was annoyed that we were losing, but she was like, seemed borderline hysterical over the fact that they might only get a point from yeah, a mighty Leeds United. Yeah, but it's, the, it's they're really up for it. It's perhaps a, a perfect symbol and explanation of exactly what it means to them and why they seem to beat us more often than not. That's what I said to her. <laughs> Well, it's worth pointing out that in this game, Adam Clayton, most famous as one half of Team AC, was left out of the fixture, along with Martin Patterson for alleged handbags on the training ground. Handbags in the uh, the wrong bedroom as well, if that <laughs> room is to be believed. Careful where you leave your uh, uh, underthings, ladies. I have no idea if any ladies left their underthings around, or if Adam Clayton left Simon his... Grayson isn't even manager there anymore. <laughs> Moving on, James Vaughan was also out of the side, wasn't he? But they still managed to beat us. Why? Well, Tom Lees' fault. Own goal. There's nobody else to blame. It was kind of his fault, that own goal. Well, he did head it. He did choose to yeah. head it and headed it into his own net. So. Yeah. Whose fault was thing. Ward's goal? Whoever should have been stood on the edge of the box. Somebody should have been, it shouldn't they? It massively took you by surprise, didn't it, when it came to him on the edge of the box? Well, yeah. let's, let's run through these goals then. Smith opened the score, and he should have actually opened the score in sooner than 70 seconds, shouldn't he? He had a, a guilt-edged chance, as they are known in the industry. Because he's a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, nodded one in from the corner straight after that. Then there was that uh, thunder bastard strike from the edge of the area. Let's Ward. reserve the thunder bastards for our players. Okay. This was um, he, he whiffed it in or something. I don't know. No, I quite like the phrase "whiffed it in." He scored a goal. It was luck. It was dumb luck. Yeah, dumb luck. He should have been <laughs> marked out of the opportunity. And then Tom Lee's uh, nodding in deftly into the uh, the far corner on sixty three minutes now. And then Dexter Blackstock, the uh, perfect debut. Talk about making an impact. Not quite perfect. Well, at that point, at that very second. Unless he's a, one of those strikers who clearly is more bothered about scoring than anything else. Because they always, they always try and pretend not, don't they? So they're gone for ages. I would delight to get the goal, although obviously the three points is the, the important thing. If the only important thing in his life is scoring goals, he's only got a ratio of about 0.26, so... You're an unhappy man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sound right, old misery guts. <laughs> and then uh, John Stead uh, scored four minutes later. Just when, just when we thought it was going to swing our way, there was the uh, the sucker punch. He's a player who doesn't make it out of double figures as well, isn't he? Bit, a bit like Blackstock, slightly, but he's like a Huddersfield Blackstock. Uh, what's this on the sheet then about the halftime highlights show? Tell me about this. Well, there were two interesting things at halftime. One is that the Huddersfield fans couldn't operate their own bar. They have um, a fast lane system for just draft beer, which is very good. It's just a little hatch. None of them were using it until a few Huddersfield fans in front of me was like, do you think we can 
just go there and just get, and they worked it out. And once they'd done it, I did it. But then they have these little tellies um, above is that the bars literacy as well. Is a problem. They yeah, they couldn't read the sign. Well, they got they got to relive the uh, the first half, which appeared to be being shown on a VHS player piped into all the screens. That um, rather than you know how you do the edit the highlights, rather than edit the highlights, they just fast forwarded through the first half until a goal was scored, and then rewinded a bit to get to just before it had been scored. Showed it. Rewound it again and put it on slow motion, and then fast forwarded on to the next goal, and did that for all th- all however many goals there were before half time. This is going to baffle Winehouse because he's not old enough, but uh, I bet they had one of those uh, VHS records, a top loader as well, yeah, uh, and it would have had the remote that was attached by a wire. Well, I remember um, I... <laughs> remotes attached by wires. <laughs> well, we've just blown a young man's mind. <laughs> Question is, have we pretty much carved ourselves out a place now as just a mid-table average side? What's that I can hear? It's Ross McCormack and Noel Hunt getting into a car in Weatherby. They'll be here within minutes to protest. Because Brian McDermott cited a lack of a winning mentality after Huddersfield. So we do win some games, but there doesn't seem to be the belief that we can do it consistently within the squad. Or the belief amongst the fans. <laughs> well, we're just, we're just not that good, are we? We're, no. we, are, we are about where we deserve to be, really. Birmingham was nice, but it didn't solve anything. I mean, I said it that I said at the... Well, if you can call it a prediction section at the end of the last one. Three points from these two games would be what I would expect. That's because we're not very good. I still think we're going up. That's that's my problem. I'm not I'm not gonna drop this till the end of the season, until it's mathematically impossible. Well I will say my twenty quid on the uh, fifteen to one us winning the league looks pretty safe to me. The news. Gents, we've brought a player in. Not just one, two players. But the transfer window's shut. How's this been possible? Woo, woo, woo! Emergency, emergency. Must sign striker, must sign defender. I merely chirped in with calling Dr. Beat then, actually. <laughs> in fact, only one of them's a, an emergency alone, isn't it? We can keep the other one. So Dexter Blackstock, age 27, the right age, says Brian McDermott. For is what? Just the, for whatever he wants for to do. For suicide if he was a rock star. <laughs> yes, you're, right, yeah, you're absolutely right. He's on a three-month deal. He scored with his first touch. What more can we say about him other than that? He hasn't scored since. That'll be it for the rest of the loan. Yeah, let down. Oh, you moaning bastards. I, I tried to look into what the um, what it would take for him to be good enough to be kept. Because you always say it's with a view to a permanent transfer in January. And if he performs to the absolute maximum that he's ever performed to in his career, the best he can do would be four goals and one assist. That's what he normally does in 15 matches. And it's whether four goals and one assist in the next three months is going to be enough, A, to do anything of any worth for our team, and two, to make him worth keeping. I could score four goals and get an assist. Well, no. I don't think you could. That would maybe be hyperbole. Noel Hunt could score four... Hang on, hang on. Matt Smith. Matt Smith could score four goals in one game. Is that just is that just us though? Like we've had Beckford and Becchio. Most championship clubs do not have players who score twenty goals. Like that's that's I don't know. I was thinking Dexter Blacksock at any other club, they probably think fantastic. Mm. They all play for QPR now, don't they? The goal scorers. If they don't, they soon will. Yeah, if Dexter Blackstock has a good loan, transferred to QPR in January. We'll just have him just knocking about the training ground. Has he played for QPR before? Yes. Yes. So it would be like a spiritual homecoming. I don't know. Surely at this stage of the emergency loan window, who else were we going to get, really? Luciano Becchio. But they won't give him back. They'll just say, like, oh, no. They might. Yeah, but... They don't want to, do they? They don't want to. They'd rather... The worst part about this is that he's staying until the end of January, which means the start of January, basically, Luciano will be like, they're going to let me go out on loan now, senor. And we'll just go, well, Dexter's here till January. It's like, well, can't you send him out, like... Can't you just run away around midnight and they'll go, that's a good joke, Luciano, but no. And we won't be able to have him and he'll go somewhere else. He'll probably score loads of goals against QPR. us. He, he'll go to Nottingham Forest. Okay. They'll need a striker because we've got theirs. And then he'll come to Welland Road. I hope he'll just... If Luciano Becchio ever does play against us, one, I'm going to be heartbroken. Two, I hope he does. it's like a Jermaine Beckford-style performance. Just grandstanding to our fans, except... Probably be, be. I don't think he'd hide his emotions as well as Jermaine. He's just going to cry, and I'll be crying as well, weeping in the stands, weeping on the pitch, and it's all Dexter Blackstock's fault. He's cr- the new Steve Morrison. <laughs> Fuck this guy. A cry wank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, joining him uh, at the club, then new on the training ground, is the Lithuanian psychopath Marius Zaliukas. 
Is I, have I said that right? No idea. Yeah. I like him. He sounds like a strongman contestant. I describe him as a psychopath because I, am I correct in thinking that he once missed 13 matches in a season through suspension? I like the sound of this. I looked that up. He was sent off four times that year, but one of them was rescinded. Was the third one rescinded? And so I thought, fuck that, I'm getting sent off again. I've got a reputation to keep. <laughs> there is some. I think there was an interview with him after winning a cup with Hearts where he was basically... We're about to get into footballers crying, except this was more tears of passionate anger. Where he said that <laughs> hearts are like in his blood and all this stuff. No, no, no. Hearts pump his blood. Yeah. Oh, he was trying to. He was trying to give a, an anatomy, an, an anatomy, <laughs> a, a, a biology lesson. I like him. I think he's going to be crazy. Um, he didn't do too well for the development squad last night at Barnsley, but it was very difficult to judge because. The commentary was so far out of sync on Barnsley's YouTube channel that was broadcasting this live that I literally had no idea what was going on. It was so far out that it was impossible to ignore. It just turned it all into a very surreal experience. Dial-up isn't really suited for streaming live sports, is it? It was crazy. I was reading, like, Polion's penalty. I read about it being awarded and missed on Twitter, then heard the commentator award it and then hear it being missed and then saw it happen. And... <laughs> I'm still, I'm not quite sure what time it is, where I am or what I'm doing now. International time travel. Mind you, going to Barnsley is like going back to the 80s, isn't it? Yes. There we go. Um, um, speak, speaking of Barnsley, Redders did say, though, that he thought he was uh, the outstanding player on the pitch, looked like an international footballer, and he looks like a real find. Against Barnsley reserves. I'm going to wait until he starts busting heads in the first team before I get too excited, but I think it would be good to bring Tom Lee's out of his shell a little bit. Do you see Tom Lee's pictured smiling on the official website? Is it a smile? Mm-hmm. It looks a bit, a bit like a grimace. I don't no, know. he's definitely smiling with, with children present. Will that be out, him out for like the next three months, recovering? Yeah. A strained face. <laughs> like Byron's hip injury, it would be Tom Lee's face injury. They're hoping it doesn't need surgery to correct it, but if they just work it through... On the way out, we have several people gone on loan. Simon Lennigan's gone to Bradford Park Avenue on loan, Ross Killick to Chester, but the most notable then, Aidan White gone to Sheffield United for th- uh, three months. A move he probably needed, to be fair, to try and establish himself, probably. I think it's really fair to say that uh, Neil Warnock kind of killed his career. Any time that Neil Warnock says, oh, look at what I've done with all these youth team players. I brought through, which one was it, Victor Moses? I'll just say, yeah, but A.D. White... You thought he was a right winger, you asshole. I don't want to defend Neil Warnock, ever, and so I'm not going to, but I am going to point out that being responsible for the death of A.D. White's career is like being a bit like responsible for the death of a 90-year-old who's with lung cancer who's just had a heart attack and then breaks a leg. Oh, God, Oddie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the, the situation was perhaps not of Warnock's making. Warnock wasn't the only contributing factor to the, it, it's, it's you said that you want to avoid the word using the word demise there because he hasn't it's not established himself. I was we? about to say it's kind of a shame that we've put Aidan White into the past tense already, but he does kind of feel like a small sense of relief that he's actually gone. He's only twenty one. See, I'd rather 22. see him. I'd rather see him in the team instead of the other Warnock. Yeah. That Warnock, yeah. the double, the Warnock axis has ruined his career. Neither of them can defend, but at least Aidan White can run. And at least Aidan White will hopefully be better next year, whereas Warnock can. Hundred percent certain will be just a little bit slower. He's a real liability, is that Stephen Warnock? Like genuinely, I'm surprised every game that he doesn't get sent off. Yeah, he could have been sent off against Birmingham. Should have been. Then we'd have beaten Huddersfield because he wouldn't have been playing. (laughs) And Aidan Whitewood. We'll just watch Sheffield United march up the table. Nigel Clough's tried to sign him at Derby as well, hasn't he? Yeah, why? He, he fancies he likes him. him clearly. Yeah. He likes him. Don't you remember that summer when oh, he was linked to Dortmund? That was very strange. Yeah. Werder Bremen too, apparently. But then, he, then the fact that he ended up signing a new contract with us when he was effectively free to leave yeah. suggests maybe they were not real offers. On the note of signings and people on the way in, um, do we think the signing of Blackstock was funded by this Berrydale Holdings six-figure loan sum that came into the club? Because we, we don't know the full ins and outs of it, but we can sort of read into it from what has been trickled out through the media. Um, for those that don't know, Berrydale Holdings, a company controlled by David Haig, has input a six-figure sum to the club, um, which was quickly followed hot on the heels by the signing of Dexter Blackstock. Do you think the two are related in much the same way that uh, when we signed Luke Murphy, we had the loan in from Brendale Holdings, also a David Haig-controlled company? Where did uh, Postman Pat live? Greendale. That's going to be next, isn't it? Greendale Holdings. Yeah, it's all <laughs> something Dale Holdings, and it's going to be Postman Pat. 
this black and white cat. I've got no idea what's going on. It seems, I mean, I understood GFH's strategy, their long to medium term strategy, to find investors to come in alongside them um, at the football club. And this seems to be attracting a lot of investment, but it all seems to be from people who were already here. It's like if you can't get a date and your sister offers to go and see a film with you. It's kind of like that. I'm a tie. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Don't you, try and p- pin the blame yeah, on me. You know what I mean? It's like a Valentine's card from your mum, all this. It's they can't actually get anybody... Thank uh, you, mum, for that. ...anybody decent to, to invest in our football club. So they're just inventing new companies. I, I can imagine David Haig coming in and going, lads, lads, I've got an investor. Uh, this wonderful company, they're called uh, Berrydale Holdings. They just contacted me out of the blue and then... Everyone else is sitting there going, David, is this you again? No, no, no. Why, why are you the there. signatory for both companies then, David? Oh, uh, Which is a fact. Well, why are you speaking like Eddie Howe? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's Eddie Eddie put them in touch with me, actually. Yeah, if they just want to keep putting well, look, money in. But it doesn't say a lot for their um, ability to find investment it doesn't, when they doesn't can't it. find any. We're, t- we're told investment is imminent. It's been uh, imminent for a while now, but there's still no sign of it materialising. But... The, the thing I wanted to get out of this was that on the surface it does look like they are actively investing so we can secure players, which is a positive thing, albeit on a relatively small scale. But in doing so, it looks like they're saddling the club with debt, which sets off the Ridsdale alarm, doesn't it? There's the Ridsdale alarm, because that's exactly what he did and people said, we don't want to repeat that. <laughs> I wish people could have seen your finger spinning oh, yeah. around <laughs> next to your head then. I was twirling my finger like a spinning siren. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it does raise the possibility that one day... David Haig gets fed up of loaning Leeds United all his money and decides he wants it back and it is with, a secu- with interest. Ultimately, it is a secured loan on, on the club as well, so we can't take yeah. our eye off that, that it just, is putting debt onto the club. Just because he seems like a nice guy doesn't mean he's going to let us keep this money forever. It, it worries me that those people who would kind of go, oh, Ken Bates, well, at least he's not Peter Ridsdale, were kind of right. They, they were right all along. It is either Ken Bates or Peter Ridstall. You can either have someone who spends no money or someone who saddles your club with lots of debt. It's one or the other. Pick. Brian uh, McDermott said on the Footballers Football Show on Sky that we didn't effectively have a scouting system at all. There is no chief scout. It's only proper to um, present this the way it has been presented in the media. You've got to describe it as an embarrassing shock admission. You can see... It, it, yeah, yeah, it's exact, exactly that. And to yeah. be fair... It is embarrassing, and it is um, an admission, not really a shock. Um, so do we think, ultimately, that Gwyn Williams was the scouting system? I know, I've got to give him his official title. Uh, Max Gredo referred to him as Papa Gwyn on Twitter, which I thought was great. great. <laughs> Makes him sound like some sort of senior smurf, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, but that's, that's the weird thing about Gwyn Williams. We hate him, but you imagine Gredo and Becky credit their careers to him. Well, he's had some successes, hasn't he, that have come on his watch, but... Yeah. You know, a bloody huge amount of failures. And we know it's a hit and miss business. Let's not pretend for a second that every player you sign is going to be great. Because when we spoke to Wilkinson, the fabled interview with Howard Wilkinson, Moscow, mm. he said, didn't he, that you expect like a 40% success rate on your transfers. Something like that. I suppose and- as well that was based upon spending some money on them. Whereas I guess if you, if you take in whatever comes through your door, you're going to accept probably a, accept a higher failure rate. We've got to bear in mind, we can talk about Gwyn's successes and failures in signing players but you also have to look at the how many players that could have come to Leeds but didn't because their agents or the managers of their clubs went now they got that Gwyn Williams there fuck them I think maybe it was the gentleman above him that might have been a bit of a problem as well I'm not necessarily referring just to Bates but Harvey as well it's one of the things that Neil Warnock spotted pointed out and got right when he said that um, Gwyn Williams was basically just Ken Bates's eyes and ears around the training pitch that's what he did, and that he'd been at Chelsea doing exactly the same thing when Ken Bates had been there and Neil Warnock had, had gone for a job. Yeah, they come as a pair, and if Ken Bates is there, Gwyn Williams is there, and a certain amount of people want no part of Gwyn Williams. From Williams's point of view, he'd probably say that he was very good at what he did, because if you look at the profits we've turned in the transfer market, he would probably look at the likes of Becchio and Gradle and say, well, look at the value we're getting Beckford, look at the value we got out of these players for how much we paid for them. Snodgrass, how much did we paid to like a few hundred grand for him, sold him on for, for millions. From his point of view, you accept a certain amount of failures for it. The problem for the, as a club is that we did sell them all and didn't actually benefit from their talents for all that long. I think the other thing as well is that the uh, the players we recruited 
were all of an age. I mean, Snodgrass had been for a trial at Barcelona, so I don't think if Gwyn Williams one day suddenly going, I've just there's this fantastic player, nobody's ever heard of him. He's been for a trial at Barcelona, he's all over the press in in Scotland, everybody knew who Robert Snodgrass was. We were just fortunate that we were the ones we spent on good, under grand and got him. Max Wasn't Gradle. He was a bit of a risk at the time as well, Snodgrass. His book fast in Yeah, he had a reputation for being a bit of a party animal, didn't he? It was the move down to Leeds that sorted him out. Yeah. And so, same for Gradle. Gradle had apparent like, attitude problems and we took the risk there. Really? And, you can't imagine yeah. that. <laughs> and then. Uh, but again, Beckford, he was about 20 from Chelsea, didn't he, as well? Yeah, he'd been through the system at Chelsea and gone into non-league and was about 25 when he turned up here. So it's not like he was out there unearthing 10-year-old messies to bring through the youth Maybe system. he did and not, we've not come, they've not come to fruition yet. <laughs> you would, well, you would, you would say he might claim credit for the, the academy, but, you know, we digress. About all the work Kevin Blackwell did. Let's talk then about the whole issue of scouting and the fact that we don't have a system in place whatsoever. And, and we know that there was the guy called from Blackburn. Is it Blackburn? Yeah, well, we're we're in the middle of recruiting him as our new chief scout. However, he's not sorted out his uh, severance from Blackburn yet. Um, Mr. Scout. Indeed, that's the man. Anyway, he's due to come in. But the fact that we've got no scouting system, we're talking about a scouting network that was built up over many, many years in the local area. To be decimated like that, we're now paying the price for it, aren't we? Hmm. Well, I, I would imagine as well that scouts are very cheap. Yeah, they are. They, they, they only get... A lot of the time they get expenses and they get money if a player signs professional terms. So really, you're actually just saving a lot of money by having a proper scouting system in place. Like there's there's clubs a lot lower down the scales than us that that, that spend a lot on scouting because they know the profits that can be made. So like I read um, Michael Calvin's book, The Nowhere Men, recently, and he said that he was speaking to the head of recruitment for Brentford for their uh, under t- six to twelves. And he said that he had 15 scouts reporting to him. The academy itself had 70 scouts. That's not even considering the first team scouting. So that shows the extent you should be scouting. And then you compare 70 to zero and then you think, well, fuck, we've gone a bit wrong, haven't we? That's Brentford, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's no offence meant to Brentford whatsoever. You can look at the difference from the days when we had Aaron Lennon coming out of Chapel Town because people like Cess Podge used to organise the leads in the community stuff. And now... Um, Manchester City are there taking Micka Richards because they have more of an effective scouting and community network in our own city than Leeds United do. And that was all Gwyn Williams' job. So it almost seems like Becchio, um, De Costa, doesn't matter, splitting hairs. It's the actual decimation of the systems in Leeds that are the big problem. And that's, that'll, be, that'll be his legacy, to use, to use a Batesian phrase. Where, where do we find our youth players from? If there's no, do we just let them turn up? A lot of it seems to be open trials, doesn't it? Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, I remember they had a, a real phase whereby they'd charge kids like 200 quid to, to have a trial with Leeds. I, can't, I don't know the exact figure, but um, kind of, I think it was about that much. Like Byron was from York. In yeah. fact, we had Micah Richards because my mum met his mum recently and she uh, told him the story. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it seemed as though it was just luck when we signed these players. It's the big difference at Leeds is that other clubs go out into schools and communities and get involved and see who's out there. Leeds just say, come to Weatherby, and that's it. And they just sit in Thorpe Arch and wait. Well, all things said and done, and maybe we've, we've just been lucky then, In you look at what the academy's producing now. Um, I mean, to an extent, we've been forced to fall back on it, haven't we? Because we've got no bloody money for transfers. But all the same, um, Moat, Byram. Aidan White. All the big names. <laughs> Lees and Bauer. You're forgetting the big one. Nobody's forgetting Lees and Bauer. Leasy dog. And Amitai, you, you've stuck on the uh, on the prep sheet here that it makes you think that Neil Redfern's sort of performing miracles, really. Yeah, I mean, even though he's kind of a mocked figure, I, th- I think that's kind of stopped now that Byram's come through and... Ma- Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As well, he seems to know what he's doing with the academy. Probably fair to say he was only he was only sort of mocked because he didn't really want to be manager and he was, he was foisted <laughs> yeah. upon him. Yeah. And it was and it was. Didn't help him that it was referred to as Redders, absolutely yeah. everywhere. There, there, was there, a, was, there was a Redders fest for a few weeks. Yeah, that there were so many interviews. Lonergan, we're going to do it for Redders. Peter Lorimer, I think Redders can be the new Don Revy. And that's not even hyperbole. He wrote a column saying, I don't want to compare him to Don Revy, but here's 500 words where I think he could be as good. Well, let's finish this section on a bit of fuckwittery then and talk about um, Ryan Hall who has been suspended by the club, um, possibly over paid gate, as one might like to term it. Statement on the official site, Leeds United can confirm that Ryan Hall has been suspended from the club pending an investigation into a disciplinary issue. No further comment will be made at this stage. Um, now, the most he could be suspended for is a fortnight, and he has been assisted uh, by the PFA, we gather. And it's been confirmed through the YPYEP that um, it's down to comments that were made on Twitter I'm sure we're all familiar with the sort of ballpark area that we're talking about, but um, a lot of people have sort of presumed that it's the one about uh, look on the bright side if you're not getting played, take the L out and get paid. Grammar aside and spelling, uh, a lot of people have thought it was that one on the 19th of October, but do you get a sense maybe it was the one that came six days before that when he retweeted uh, a Leeds fan called Carl Smith who said, Ryan Hall comes on and sets up a goal from a decent cross something we've been missing all season, so wake up, McDermott. Um, a retweet being a tacit endorsement of that opinion. The danger we have here is that he was on um, on loan to Sheffield United when he set up that goal, and also when he decided to take the L out and get paid. And that's where Aidan White has just gone. So if Nigel Clough drops him, and suddenly we've got Aidan White on Twitter have posing with photographs lying naked in a pile of money because he's been dropped from his right-wing position... We could have a further disciplinary issue that we're stocking up. I think just stop sending players on loan to Sheffield and then we stop getting this kind of attitude back. That's where Ryan Hall's problems stem from. I'm sure he's a lovely lad. I think we've probably seen that and decided it's a good way of saving two weeks of his of his wages. I think oh, we might be able to suspend him, maybe mm. even fine him for this. I mean, is it the first one about the getting paid thing. It is a very obviously dickish thing to put on with social media where people are going to see it and... There's the perception of football as being a bit like that anyway. So to actually come out and just say it. If you got to the point where he actually tweeted that, you have got to wonder what he'll be like in the dressing room because you don't want if Aidan White gets told before a game that he's not in the team that he's suddenly like, well, screw you guys, I'm still getting all my money. And then they're sitting in the corner like waving his wallet at his teammates. I think Aidan's attitude since he's gone on loan, we are hoping it was going to like turn things around for him, but it's all just been dollar bill this... Gold, gold chains. He's, that. Had his, he's had his teeth done. Got gold teeth. <laughs> had the suspension adjusted on his car. Yeah, he's got rims on there, and he's just not been the same player. Um, hopefully, once with the PFA involvement, the uh, the legal team will help get Aiden White back on track. Um, he's got to learn from Ryan players like Ryan Hall, who work hard, keep their head down, and get paid. So, a little bit earlier on in the podcast, we mentioned that Michael described Matt Smith in Podcast 66 as being a bit shit on the evidence so far. So, in honour of this particular assessment... I'm being pointed at. Yeah. In honour of this assessment, we're giving him wanker signs now. In honour of his assessment, we would like to talk... it was an offer. I was going to take a look on it. We would like to talk about occasions when you called it wrong for Leeds United. I'll I'll kick off because I've got form on this because I remember saying the same about Beckford. Having seen him play... uh, it was in a pre-season friendly at Hartlepool, thinking, this guy, not got it, headless chicken, useless. And then he, he turned out to... Didn't start well. It took Scunthorpe to make a man of him. He did start a bit shit, to be fair, yeah, so you, you were right up to a point. That's why I didn't dismiss Smith as being complete cack, because they're from similar kind of 
background come to the game quite late, etc. Well, yeah, exactly the same background. Jermaine Beckford from non-league and Matt Smith from the University of Manchester. <laughs> what did you make of Trezor Candol while at the time that you were dismissing Jermaine Beckford? Well I, well, I thought they were both shit to begin with. <laughs> then Trezor turned out to be continually really shit. shit and also yeah. randomly violent. And mental. He's just mentally attractive. Yeah. Trezor Candol's the most entertaining player we've ever had. So with Smith, it turns out that we just needed uh, to give him a bit of service, get a system set up that, that worked for him, maybe. I mean, he, did, he has scored some goals now. We've got to remember that Mark DeVries scored a goal for Leeds. Steve Morrison scored three. Yep. So. Matt Smith's going to score 30. When? This season. This season? Wow. Yeah. I've said Austin's going to score eight. I've got a bet on with uh, my little brother for that one. What happens if he scores nine? Well, then I still get the money. Okay, I was just checking. <laughs> a minimum of eight. Anyway. Check the small print on that because I've been done that way before. So, times in the past when we've called it wrong, I mean, one that springs to mind, when we signed Vinnie Jones, there was a, a sort of a general uproar because the 1988 grabbing of Gaza's bollocks was fresh in the memory, and only only a year later there we were, shelling out not an insignificant amount of money, £650,000, to sign this midfield lunatic. And people weren't that keen, based on his reputation, but he turned into something of a cult hero, didn't he? I do like Dave Mint's um, comment on Twitter that I think sums it up when it says, my dad nearly tore up his season ticket when we signed that thug, I had the haircut by October. I think it probably it was dads and the more conservative types who weren't happy about that thug coming. I think the uh, there was also a bit of a Sheridan downgrade um, issue going on as well. But it soon turned to love. Have you ever seen his uh, fan club magazine? Vinnie Jones? Yes. Does he have one? He had one. But, um, there was one issue produced at Leeds, I think possibly by the same people who at the time were producing a magazine called The Square Ball. Yeah. But I'm not completely certain. It, oh, it's a riveting read. They, unfortunately, they brought out the first issue in the summer of 1990. Ah. Yeah. And again, I think that would have been, you could call that calling it wrong as well, because there was a lot of people who, after Jones had come, made love, not war, and then got replaced by Gary McAllister, wondered again what the hell Howard Wilkinson was doing. Turns out he probably knew what he was doing. Yeah, McAllister had a bit more in his locker than uh, than Vincent. Who probably had a shotgun. <laughs> Yeah. Well, how many people did you ever see copying Gary McAllister's haircut? You. <laughs> I've not got quite the same island. Yeah, not not through choice. Would you say the same sort of applies to Lee Chapman? Actually, because I was I was digging into the this uh, today, and um, when we signed him, we paid four hundred thousand. Imagine spending four hundred thousand pounds. Now we spent four hundred thousand pounds on a player who just turned thirty-one in the January of nineteen ninety. Everybody was sort of feeling that oh, he's a bit of a cart. All right, he scored a few goals, but he's a bit of a cart horse coming towards the end of his career. We paid a fair amount of money for him, but we were wrong then as well, weren't we? Because he got 62 goals in 137 appearances before we shifted him on for a quarter of a million to Portsmouth, age 33. I still can't believe we got a fee for him. So a net outlay of 150 grand, obviously plus wages, but that's one Ryan Hall, is that? <laughs> and you're forgetting his, his successful return on loan. <laughs> Did he last about 27 minutes or was something? That, yeah. Was that against West Ham when he got sent off? Um, or am I thinking because he, he signed for West Ham? It was so, I, He played for everyone at some point. He probably did. He will have played for West Ham and yeah. against West Ham. And, sent off for elbowing, was it? Was he, el- yeah. was he done for elbowing? He always was a bit elbowy. The game changed. Chappers didn't. They did. He just got older and slower <laughs> and less graceful, bless him. I think when he, he arrived, there was a certain argument that we already had John Pearson. So what we needed with two lumbering, useless tanks up front was a, an open question and I would add um, people who got it wrong John Pearson because I'm this may be apocryphal but I'm sure I read a comment from John Pearson that he thought he could have played for England um, only he never got the breaks a basketball or <laughs> so that would be quite um, quite a wrong call about himself I mean young, young Winehouse here is just uh, confused by all this uh, ancient talk he wasn't even born there he's just thumbing a, a poster of Alan Smith at the moment doing what to a poster of Alan Smith Sorry. thumbing oh. all the kids are, all the kids are doing it now there's a common theme running through a few of these as well which I, I suspect we've all done at some point of getting the wrong name on your shirt Adam Rimmington on there from Twitter says getting Sweeney 24 <laughs> but on the back of my shirt after that prolific debut at Crew. now the prick's working nights night at Tesco. I, I was this close to buying a Steve Morrison shirt. Just for, for people who can't see this, which is everyone, I'm holding my fingers very close to each other. That that looks to me to be very close, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. Why would you want a Steve Morrison shirt? 
I can understand Sweeney 24 because something about the words. Du, 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 du. Hold on. Sweeney 24. It sounds like if, if they remake the Sweeney in 2024, that's what it's going to be called. Or maybe if it was just a 24-hour non-stop version of the Sweeney. They remade that last be, year, didn't they? A 24-hour non-stop no, version just, of the just, Sweeney. Just the I'd Sweeney. love to tune in about live as well. Tune in around hour 23. Featuring Jack like, Bauer. Yeah. Char- Charlie Taylor's still not come out. <laughs> How long are we going to wait out here, boss? We gonna Give me another hour. It's like, Jesus Christ, we're going to eat. Special mention to Lee Bonk-Williams, who got a Steve Morrison shirt and has hashtagged it on Twitter with bad mistake. And Lee United Calypso as well, who thought that Steve Morrison would be a good fit at LUFC. I've got Lee Sharp shirt at home on the Packard Bell sponsor and I've got a, I've got a Hasselbank and I've got a Cule. Have any of them got those sort of little sort of slightly comic looking letters? The, the, I think it's in italics the sharp one. A little bit yeah we had a really weird lettering on the back of our shirts in the first Packard Bell season and the first also the first sharp season. I've got a long-standing thing in my head that if I do find a place that sells like fake league shirts I'll get a tongue on the back of it. Because I think I think he's just average enough that it's not someone who I'd be gutted to see leave, and he's not good. He's not bad enough that it's hedging, embarrassing. Hedging yeah. Yeah. What's his number? Eight, t- fourteen. No, 18. six, sixteen. Eighty White wears fourteen. White is a little 14, miniature yeah. tribute to Johan Cruyff. <laughs> <laughs> That's Paul Green. Paul Green's eyeing that one uh, <laughs> enviously. But there's loads. I mean, like um, under the, the list of signings. Yeah, I mean Adam Webster has mentioned. I thought McSheffrey was a good signing. So, Wrong. So did I. If you, if you, so did he. If you rewind several years in this podcast's history, I, I thought he would be all right. I thought he would be the man to lift us to promotion. Where is he now? Is he still at Coventry? I've not heard anything from McSheffrey. I should go and I should go and check his bins for some more uh, amusing excerpts from his diary. Yeah, retro reference for you there, uh, podcast and magazine. Retro fan. reference, something I've done in my adult life. Help! I'm getting old. And Adam uh, Remington got form on this one then as well, convinced himself that Paul Telfer was the answer. Begs what the question I mean, that's was. A, that's a str- Rocky Jr. you can forgive people for because he was, he was a, a youngish World Cup winner. He had the World Cup in his bag. Paul Telfer was once all right for Coventry about eight years before we signed him. It was a strange... Wasn't he... Didn't we pluck him out of non-league because he was McAllister's mate or something? Without a clue. Well, he seemed to be at Coventry forever and then I think he may have meandered, lost his way slightly and McAllister was trying to give him a, a leg up. Well, based on what we were saying about the scouting system under Bates, then you can probably guess that uh, <laughs> like I just need, I need anybody, somebody who I know, somebody whose phone number I'm allowed to have. Well, that's that was the whole thing, wasn't it? Grayson with Andy O'Brien. I mean, I'm not going to say Warnock wouldn't have signed all of his mates because, let's be honest, he would have done. He did. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, th- that was it. It was just, ah, I know, I've heard of Andy O'Brien. He's played football in the Champions League. He must be all right, surely. On the sort of uh, exotic foreigner who we've heard of tip, Thomas Brolin, obviously, is one that we would automatically identify as the expensive failure. Are we guilty of a bit of revisionism here? Because the Brolin thing, he wasn't as bad as people made out. He just wasn't played in his favourite position. Why is Brolin on the bench? That's, yeah, what, that's I mean, what the fans are asking. Yeah, and, and he, he was a good footballer. He just wasn't played in his favourite position, was he? I think the counter-argument to attempting to rewrite Thomas Brolin's time at Leeds is something good is that it took him a while to get going. And when he did finally get going, the first goal he scored, he fell over and then somebody kicked it and it hit his head and went in. They all and count, they all count. They though. do all count, they do all count. But he then never really capitalised on that to do anything really memorable. What was the best bit of skill you remember from Thomas Brolin? When he played for us, did he do that, that spinny Street Fighter 2 celebration? He did. That, after that, that's after he did, he'd then. fallen over in the penalty area, somebody kicked the ball, it hit his head and went in. Sheffield Wednesday away, he celebrated exactly as he had done um, when he put England out of the European was Championships. It, that was Brolin, the, darling, Brolin! That was the thing that baffled me about Brolin, was the fact that I'd never seen... I mean, I'd only heard the bad stuff, and then there was that series of adverts on ITV where they edited like fa- spectacular failures in England's history. And I saw what he did f- against England. I was like, fucking hell. We used to watch what he did for Palmer and think, fucking hell. And a piece of that would have been great. Um, but even even Howard Wilkinson, when we um, were referring against that interview in the square ball, said that he wasn't sure. And he said it's the only time that he'd gone against his own instinct and just gone... Well, I guess he probably went, well, Mr. Fotherby seems to like him. More on that in the current issue of the square ball as Boom. well. Yeah, there you go, sales pitch. Um, but no, Brolin, no, don't do this, no. 
on a more on a more positive note, in line with what is obviously going to happen to Matthew Smith as he goes on to be a club legend. Yes, Lucas. I don't think after his first sort of year at the club, anyone would have thought he'd go on to be the player he was, given he was playing in midfield and. A.D. White. He was A.D. White in those days, playing all over. And, more to the point, as we found out when we interviewed him, there there goes another name drop, Clang. When we spoke to him, um, he nearly lost his work permit, didn't he? He came within a whisker of uh, getting booted out of the country. Before his uh, little turn at the Birmingham game, um, I did find myself in a discussion where um, it was raised that Lucas Radderby was wasn't that good. Really? Mm. Who, who, who he was a splendid point? defender. He was brilliant. I wouldn't like to give give their names. But he wasn't he wasn't that good for the whole time because he, he did have about a three or four year period though where he was the the best defender in the league. I thought by quite a he distance. He was absolutely superb. Too many mistakes. What? Always caught on the turn. What gave away maybe a lot? In, maybe in his later days. Gave but... away loads of penalties because he was always being beaten and like slide tackling and, and fouling. Yeah, people are always lazy with defenders. Defenders don't make that many wrong decisions, but because they make one, it shows. Where if a striker makes ten in a game, then and it, I always think it's a. I don't, know, I don't want to criticize someone who I might quite like on Twitter or something, but people, do it anyway. People who people who don't really you never have to meet them. People who don't really kind of get football tend to criticize defenders and goalkeepers quite a lot because it's an unglamorous thing. Yeah, basically, fuck anyone who criticizes Radaby. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong. You're bang wrong. Your brother actually raised a good point right there, Winehouse. Yeah, he said that when uh, Johnson and Kilkenny left, he was very surprised that, you know, Bradley Johnson went on to play Premier League football and Kilkenny ended up doing what he's doing now, which is sitting on the bench in League One. I think I think we all called um, the Johnson thing wrong, didn't we? We all thought he was eminently replaceable. Yeah, we could do with Bradley Johnson, though. I always, I think, I would, did we not always say we thought he was all right? I thought we did. I didn't think he was probably Premiership quality. We used to mock him because he did funny things. Oh, he was a bit. He was an idiot. Don't he still is. I'm sure. But and even on the pitch, his shooting. I mean, people complain about Rudy Austin shooting now. Bradley Johnson. It was a. I mean, Arsenal aside, it was a whole another level. Kilkenny is. I had a look at Kilkenny's Twitter account the other day to see how he was because I miss him, and he, he managed to get himself drawn into a very bizarre. Um, argument with the the Brizzle fans who were somehow backed him into a corner where they were saying to him, "Are you comparing yourself to Zavi?" And he was going, "No, no, I'm just saying that's how. Well, I'm not saying that's how Bristol should play, but that's how football should be played." And I was like, "Well, you never play like Zavi." And it's, I don't think um, Ross McCormack would impose a self-imposed Twitter ban. Kilkenny seems to just keep going back for more. There was that that good season we've had in the championship. Every time Kilkenny came on, we immediately looked better in pretty much every game. I but still... he could pass to teammates, and that yeah. was the thing. It's, we, we perhaps didn't have the mobility around him to support it, but he could pass to teammates, and that's quite an important thing in football, I gather. It was the same thing we've got now, though, wasn't it? A player who can do one thing, and that's it. Like, Matt Smith. He could point tall. as well. He could, yeah. He could point and moan. Yeah. And I still always treasure his... Blue, 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 thing at... at uh, no, it was at Adel Tarapt. Um, the final game of that oh, season when we went to QPR and he, he did a... Adol was complaining about a foul and you can just see Kilkenny walking past in the background going... Oh, boo, 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 oh, boo, boo. Also yeah. the run off at uh, Ken Bates yeah, that required yeah. CCTV. That was good <laughs> as well. Uh, yes. <laughs> Talking of other departures then um, and on the Norwich tip... Um, it's the only place our players go. Yes, well, Si leads in Shetland on Twitter so he thought we'd be okay without Becchio but there's so many others. It's Leeds United after all. And uh, Toby Riles, LUFC Toby, says, uh, I said, Luciano will not leave us. Fact. He may have left us physically, but he hasn't left us spiritually. That's really the story of Leeds United over recent seasons. You're like, like, a, you're like a, a desperate a <laughs> desperate man who's, whose wife's left him. She, she'll come back. He'll hear about it one day, and he will come back. But it's been the way Leeds has been for ages, where we've just gone, ah, we'll be all right without Becchio. We'll be all right without Gradle. We'll be all right without Snodgrass. Howson. We'll be all right without Johnson. We'll be all right without Howson. Who thought, you know... I mean, Howson scored against Arsenal. He scored that great goal as well. In the last, it's that revisionism you always see when a player leaves. It's like, Becchio. Oh, he's rubbish. Lower league plodder. He'll, I mean, obviously, yeah. I was just about to say he'll never do it in the Premier League in a well, sarcastic way, but yeah. But like, just give Howson, him one chance. Howson, Snodgrass. Every, same thing happened every time. Snodgrass, he's got no pace. But in, it turns out... Good players tend to be quite good. And Moscow aside, weren't we all quite guilty of suspecting that Neil Warnock would be a good thing for Leeds United? Now, perhaps this was born a little bit out of the fact we thought we needed a manager who would stand up to Ken Bates, but 
we were epically wrong, really, weren't we, about him in general? I think I've misjudged him because I got the impression from listening to him talk, not knowing what he was talking about, because I thought I presume he kind of knows the story of his life better than I would. The way he always made stuff sound was quite convincing. He'd always make it sound like he'd done a very good job about of things and and like oh he just he loved his football and he got a bit carried away sometimes but it's only because he really cared. Whereas when he actually turned up and you saw what he did day to day and living in Cornwall, that he actually really didn't care that much at all. Yeah, he was winging it. <laughs> so yeah, you were basically like Neil Warnock and Neil Warnock was that person he signed because he shouted a lot. Warnock himself, I remember as it was the Southampton game that we were all falling out about because. Everyone was convinced, oh, we created so many chances. Saying, well, they were all the ships into the box. This wasn't good. We used our entire good. chance budget in one game. On the <laughs> chance budget, I like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, kudos to James Hoyle, Boyd, 80, uh, J underscore Macaulay, 25, Paz, 23694, and Stephen Gavin all on Twitter, who uh, variously thought that Warnock would be good for Leeds United, and Steve Morrison too. Steve Morrison was another one of those ones that, like Warnock on paper, you thought, eh, well, I'd rather keep Becchio, but this guy does have some sort of stats in his favour. And again, like Warnock, what did I say? I believe I was having none of it. If we'd have been trying to bring in bloody Van Persie from Arsenal in, in place of Becchio, you'd have wanted to keep Becchio. <laughs> What's Van Persie ever done? I think I actually said in November of last year when we were linked to Ricky Lambert, I was like, I like Lambert, but, you know, Becchio. <laughs> <laughs> it's different when it's when he's yours. He's not yours. <laughs> <laughs> and he never will be. Just to wrap this one up, I guess, Nathan Rhodes perhaps sums it up best on Twitter by saying, surely the answer is following leads. You've just depressed us, Nathan. <laughs> Silence fell in the studio. The sad, bitter truth. Could have supported Norwich instead. At least I'd be get to see Luciano on the squad poster. You'd have, never, the squad you'd have poster? never known. Luciano. I'd have never known Luciano. I don't Orange want to live fan. in that world. If you were an Orange world. fan, you'd hate him. Well, I'd be wrong. Coming up. All right, then. Coming up in the next couple of weeks. On Saturday, we've got Yeovil at home in a game that's eminently winnable because they're struggling and they're not very good. I saw an interview with Gary Johnson, who is their manager. It was after they'd been beaten by some other, some incredibly average championship side, and I can't remember who they were. And he was interviewed and he said, well... Players have got to treat this as a learning experience. You know, they'll come here, come to a championship team, up against them, facing players who are stronger than us, fitter than us, they've done more practice. It's like, hang on a minute, you're in the same division. He's treating it. He's talking as if they were a non-league team who'd just been knocked out the cup. They're in the same blooming division. That They're one of the few clubs, actually. I always kind of got that sense that when they came to Ellen Road, they were a bit overwhelmed by it all, even though they were there on a level. Yeah, completely. So this is it. If they're staying in a hotel... We need to find that hotel, keep them up all night, the night before, band outside, ring, get fire alarms ringing, make sure they get no sleep in the big city noise, maybe take them out on the town. I bet they don't have... Uh, Towns, where they are. <laughs> they don't have a town in <laughs> uh, where they town? come from. Or they might have a town, but <laughs> let's, not, town like let's not spoil the joke with details. You get a higher class of prostitute in Leeds. This is I've been I'm to Yeovil, and, Yeovil and the, the biggest nightclub was a Weatherspoons. They just moved tables. We take them to Yates Wine Lodge, upper level. They'll never have seen out like it. They did, did beat Forest the other week. Which, one was it? which was quite funny as well, given they've not won since the opening day, and then you had to see uh, that sad little Scottish midget weeping about it. Well, they're currently in 22nd, aren't they? So you have to treat it as a bit of a blip. They've uh, played 13, only won two games, one of which was against Forest. Two more than Sheffield Wednesday. Yes, drawn three and lost eight. Uh, minus ten goal difference on nine points. So they're, they're they're expected to be there or thereabouts, over hovering over the trapdoor, and they are already. We should win this, especially with our newfound firepower up front. One of their players, I'm not going to get to say this probably ever again, if, once they get relegated, um, one of their players was taught by my mother-in-law. He's from Sherburn and went to, went to some school there. I don't know which one, I can't what, remember. What did he learn? I don't know, he's been sent off once this year for punching someone so probably that <laughs> very violent woman my mother-in-law not really you're looking forward to Norman Hunter Day anyway against uh, Yeovil at Ellen Road I'm not used to every game being designated a different game ladies day's coming is it there's got to be a ladies day in 2014 everything just seems to be a bit confused because the confusingness with armed forces day just because Norman Hunter's birthday happy birthday Norm 70 is around now so everything so it's like I think Norman Hunter is piloting a helicopter into the ground before the game there's going to be a 21 gun salute 
to just get everything all together. And so I don't know what Ladies' Day is going to combine with. It might be Jack Charlton's birthday around then as well. So we'll have him coming out in a big hat, a big hat and a frock <laughs> with a yeah, with a fishing rod over his shoulder. How strange! How mm. strange! Aren't we singing Happy Birthday to Norman Hunter at halftime? Which doesn't sound like a great idea because no one will be there at halftime because no one ever is there at halftime. So it's one of these ideas that that seems good in practice when you're in a focus group or. You have a you're bouncing idea, blue sky thinking, all that sort of thing. No, stop it. Don't enforce fun on people. We don't like fun. We're Leeds fans. I mean, I'd burst out of a birthday cake and sing happy birthday, Mr. Hunter, to him. But I'm not sure that getting 20,000, 15,000 people at half time to try and sing to him, it's not really going really to happen. It, it'll be a half-arsed thing, won't it? In which case, it's better not to try. That's the least United way. You get Nout for coming second, and you get Nout for a second-class birthday. So Norman can stay 69. We'll try again next year in less embarrassing circumstances. Um, on to the Saturday after, then. We've got Charlton away, the uh, Andy Hughes reunion. Uh, they're not doing very well either. They're in 19th, just above Yeovil. Another good away allocation. 3,000 tickets sold in 20 minutes flat. They've... Uh, Released an extra 200. Should be a good day out, apart from the football. Those silver memberships showing their value. Priority ticketing for away games. At some Wigan. Of, some of them, yeah. <laughs> At Wigan and Bolton. Help yourselves. I don't know. These are both games that, really, we should win. I'm not I'm not out of line saying that, am I, surely? Are you confident? No, no. Not at all, but no. I think we'll beat Yeovil, actually. I, I, I think we'll we'll haul four points from these games, four or six. I am fairly confident, actually. I think I said this before the Birmingham game, but I can't remember that far back, so I may not have, that I feared for what it would be like if we didn't win a game out of the two, either Birmingham or Huddersfield. And I do fear what it will be like if we don't beat Yeovil, having lost to Huddersfield. Losing to Huddersfield, Amato was saying earlier, it happens, they're up for it, they turn it into a cup final. Not beating Yeovil... We are a club that seems to crank the pressure up on ourselves every game, don't we? There never seems to be a game where we can just sort of go into it and enjoy it. There always seems to be something at stake. If we'd beaten Huddersfield, Yeovil, we'd just go there. We'd laugh it off. We'd go and sing songs at Norman Hunter all day and all night, losing to them. It's all Huddersfield's fault, basically. That's the problem. Yeovil's the sort of thing... I mean, honestly, I I kind of like the idea... Well, I don't like the idea of it biting me on the arse in retrospect, but... Pervert. (laughs) I just think this might be another Birmingham. I think we could get, you know, another good, really good result out of it. I was that impressed by Birmingham that I think that Huddersfield won off, I reckon, six from the next two. But then is it not a case that we then go to Charlton needing to repeat it and we probably won't um, because we're, our away form's fairly terrible and then all of a sudden we go, oh, well, we're back to square one and everyone starts gnashing teeth and wailing. I we reckon just... 1-0 against Charlton, maybe, you know, a thrashing against Yeovil, hopefully. We well, could just do that on a... On a rotation basis for the rest of the season, it's probably how it's going to be. It's Win one, lose one. Is it? Isn't it? Exactly. It's for, by definition. The Ken Bates villain of the fortnight. This is the fortnightly award that we give to somebody who's added to our ongoing perpetual state of misery as Leeds United fans, and of course, the first nominee is always Ken Bates. What can we give Ken his nomination for this time? As discussed, uh, hiring Gwyn Williams, firing all the scouts. Those little boys, they came out of the Cubs. All they wanted was a place to go on a Friday night to uh, earn some badges and play with their toggles. Um, And instead, they had Ken Bates chasing them. I don't want to accuse him of chasing small boys through the woods. It's a metaphor. Um, (laughs) We didn't didn't cover this earlier, but um, David Haig is doing his bit on this um, front as well by linking us up with Brazilians. With uh, Fluminense on his... He's just doing it. He's on another gap here. (laughs) <laughs> expedition effectively but yeah he's having a chat with some people over there but we, well he sort of said he's been there to discuss business there's nothing really in a brazilian link up for a, a football club in yorkshire economically and culturally it doesn't really work if you're going to get a twin team you're going to get them in germany France. yeah something you know belgium but the thing is belgium not as nice for a holiday no and also property i mean we are not Gulf Finance House Capital's only business interest. They've, you know, come to Leeds, start buying properties in London, go to Brazil, wave a few Leeds United flags around, buy an apartment building, and it's all, you know... Well, he says he's discussing business. It doesn't necessarily mean we're signing 
Robinho or whoever is good for them nowadays. Back on topic anyway. So we've got uh, Ken's nomination for dismantling our scouting system. Yeah. Who else do we want to nominate? Well, we've got David Haig for being on holiday. Who else is there? The town of Huddersfield. Is, it, is that fair? Uh, I don't want to encourage him, really. Seeing as he's my you know, arch nemesis, how about Ryan Hall? Yeah, he's been a dick, hasn't he? He's not necessarily made my life any more miserable. He's just been a bit of a dick. He's yeah. Distracting. Distracting dickishness. Yeah, it's annoying that he has well-coordinated feet that mean that he's paid money that we kind of give to Leeds in a kind of roundabout not way. Not at the moment. He's having two <laughs> weeks off from getting paid. He's having this one on, on us, yes. Um, I, I'll personally nominate Matt Smith. He's made me look a bit of an idiot. But then he, I suppose he redeemed himself because I did have a nice day at Birmingham, at the Birmingham game. So. Is every one of his 27-plus uh, goals between now and the end of the season going to be like a dagger in your your cold, hating heart? I'll, I'll, I'll learn to live with it. I'll deal with the problem when it when it happens as well. Oddie? Yes, good call. Not here, is he? We don't actually know where he is. If anybody does see him, he's got the information is around his neck on a <laughs> on a on a tag. Take him back to uh, that that address. Give him a warm cup of tea. Do it just the nearest police station. <laughs> they'll they'll deal with it from there. <laughs> All right, then. So we've got Ken Bates for dismantling our scouting system. Probably we could lump Gwyn Williams in there for being our scouting system. He's always in the shadows when Ken Bates is around. David Haig for being on holiday. Um, Ryan Hall for his. Twitter twattishness, uh, Matt Smith for making Michael look stupid, and Oddie for being absent without leave. Who's your uh, villain of the fortnight, then, gentlemen? It'd annoy Ryan Hall. So, yeah. So let's give it to him. I was thinking that. He's also he's not stopped either. He's still retweet that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a horrid noise. I'll never do that again. I promise. That was a sex. No- that was a sex noise, Michael. Amatai, would you like to agree with Ryan Hall? Yeah, yeah Ryan Hall. I've well done, Ryan. Got history there. Yeah, he wasn't happy with what you wrote about him, was he? I don't know if it was directly me, but it shows it shows the reach that the Square Ball Corporation has now that, <laughs> that yeah. Ryan Hall is getting annoyed what at. Was it? It was, Some people don't know what they're fucking talking about or something. Yeah, well, that didn't about. get him suspended, did it? Brian McDermott must have been like, yeah, it's a terrible article, that. Hey, Brian, Brian McDermott liked my article about waving, so, you know, <laughs> take that. Any other business? As we mentioned at the top of the podcast, issue three of the magazine is out now. Uh, it's got the Bill Fotherby interview. It's got the Sam Byram interview. It will be on sale against Yeovil at Ellen Road on Saturday. And issue four will go on sale against Middlesbrough. So make sure you pick up a copy of that on Saturday and look out for the new one against Middlesbrough. Uh, it's on sale from the external corners of Ellen Road and you can grab them online at thesquareball.net. There's some blog stuff on there as well. Yeah, apparently. buy a digital sub. That pretty much ties up this edition of the Squareball podcast. In which case, get in touch with us then. We'd like to hear from you. Podcast at thesquareball.net is how you can get in touch via email. You can tweet at the Squareball and just find us on Facebook too. Look out for us returning in a fortnight then in the middle of November. We've got another international week, haven't we, coming up in the middle of November, I believe. You get married again. No, not this time. Not yet. Not yet. Give it a few more weeks. Well, that's it then. I'll say bye-bye from me and Michael. Bye-bye. And Moscow. Bye-bye. And, oh, oh, no, I'll do. Winehouse. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. We'll return to speak to you again in a couple of weeks. Ta-ra. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.